Amen. Well, good morning, Bridge City Church, Marysville. How you doing? Let's give God a great big hand. I'm so excited that you're here today. Come on, happy Easter. Now, I know what you're waiting for. Some of you are waiting for that. He is risen indeed. Come on. He is risen. Okay, I know some of you, it was not Easter until that moment, okay, right now. Right, somebody said that to me earlier, and I came from a different background. I said, and peace be with you. <laughs> so, oh, I got it wrong, I got it wrong. Listen, Easter's a really, really big deal, and I'm so excited that you're here today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is a really, really big deal to, to us in the Christian faith, and uh, we're gonna present to you today evidence that demands a verdict. In Romans chapter 1, I want to kick it off to you today. In verse 3, the good news. How many of y'all like good news? How many of y'all realize that bad news travels a lot faster than good news? Have you ever noticed that? Bad news just goes rampant. Good news is like it takes a long time to generate that and get some momentum from that. But the good news is about his son, that's Jesus. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. And he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And now I'm going to say he is, and I want everybody to say together, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Are you ready? He is. He is. Now, I know some of you wanted to yell Penn State there, but I'm glad you didn't, okay? I'm just, I'm glad you, I'm glad you held back. I'm glad you like held that in a little bit because I was going to worry about you. Listen, it's all about Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's about who he is. It's not about who we are. It's about who he is. And that's what this day is really all about. That word shown there is declared. That means that that, that Jesus was the marked one. He was marked. He was shown. It's as if God took his heavenly highlighter and he highlighted Jesus. He circled Jesus. He put all these arrows to Jesus right there because it was all about him. He's basically saying, this is my son on resurrection day. That's what, that's what he's doing. And really what that means is it sets out new boundaries. It determines a new horizon. How many of y'all would like new boundaries in your life? How many of you know that Jesus removes the limits on our life and lets us live victorious? Isn't that good news? Amen. See, that's the good news that we celebrate. It's that good news that we hold on to, that Jesus was the marked one. And not only that, he threw in an earthquake in Matthew 27 just for an exclamation point. See, the crucifixion has a semicolon after it. The resurrection has a period. As a matter of fact, I think it has an exclamation point because I love exclamation points. Who's here with me? I mean, if one exclamation point's good, then two's better. Come on, somebody. And if three's, if three's the bestest, then let's give a whole line full. More than once, people get a text from me and they say, why are you so upset? And I says, all those exclamation points are just because I'm so happy. Come on. That's what, that's what Easter Sunday is all about. But so often we get caught up in, and listen, Good Friday, the cross of Jesus Christ is very significant. Without the cross of Jesus Christ, we, can't, we don't have forgiveness. And that's very significant. It was filled with gruesome details. Jesus died one of the most horrible, cruciating deaths, suffocating to death on the cross, which is horrible. And it's gruesome, but so often we get caught up in the gruesome that we forget the glorious. We forget the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
which is filled with glory, which is filled with the spectacular. And, and we, we get, like, many people tell stories. Have you ever listened to somebody and they tell the whole story about the car accident? And they tell every detail of the car accident. And then, like, then you're getting to the end and you're like, is everybody okay? Because we forget that part. And that's unfortunately what happens with the resurrection. Everybody gets caught up in the details. It's like, it's like the, the, the lady who wants to tell stories of 79 hours in intense labor. And you're like, but was there a baby at the end? I mean, that's all I want to know. I mean, I, I get that part, but I want to know, was there a baby at the end of it? Okay? And that, but that, that's what happens to us. We get caught up in our story. But the identity of Jesus wasn't his suffering, it was in the resurrection. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for Jesus and the cross that he endured for me to express his love. But I'm even more happy with the resurrection that expressed his life. And I want to get caught up in the life of Jesus Christ. We really believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is central to our faith. This is central to who we are. More than, it's not just the incarnation. It's not just baptism. It's not just inspiration or creation. Listen, it's not only about salvation. It's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what is central here. Everything in the Bible points to this moment. Everything in the Old Testament points to this moment, and everything that happened after points back to that moment, that it wasn't just an event, it was a person, Jesus, that came to change our lives. That's why this is so significant. And I want to read to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And in the New Testament, which is basically, for simplicity's sake, about the last third of the Bible, the Apostle Paul wrote most of the, the, the last third, the New Testament. And he's writing a letter to people who lived in Corinth. And the people in Corinth were really messed up. How many of you know that we live in a messed up time? Okay. How many of you were one of those messed up people in the messed up time? How many of you are just a little less messed up now than you were before? Come on, somebody. Yeah, come on there. They were messed up. I mean, they had a lot of craziness going on. So the Apostle Paul addressed it. The Apostle Paul was communicating all along the line. And he gets to this point in chapter 15 where he starts addressing the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He starts addressing it because there were those who did not believe that when we died, we were going to have a bodily resurrection and go to be with our Father in heaven, should you be a true believer in Jesus Christ. And some didn't even believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. So he's writing these, these writing, he's penning this saying, you got to get this. This, my friends, is a big deal. This is a really, really big deal to our faith. So in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised either. See, before Paul addresses a theological issue, he's addressing the logical issue. Jesus Christ needed to rise from the dead so that we could rise from the dead. That's a very logical issue. Now, unfortunately, in our intellect, it's much easier for us to believe that somebody would give their life for us on a cross. I, for most people, they, they, they believe that and they cling to it. But it's harder to believe in the resurrected Lord. 
It's like, wait a minute, did he really die? And that's why there's so much preaching out there. And there's so many stories out there that are told from people that Jesus really didn't raise from the dead. It was a ghost. It was just a spirit. There's so many stories out there, and I even hear people saying them and preaching them, and I'm saying, wait a minute, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is paramount to our faith. It is foundational to who we are. Do you realize that we're here on a Sunday morning? Do you want to know why we still gather on Sunday mornings? It's because we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the early believers got together on the first day of the week. This is the first day of the week, not the last day of your weekend. See, many people just have a last day of the weekend rather than the first day of the week. And we get together on the first day of the week. As a matter of fact, we love to get together the first day of the week. For, for, for a couple thousand years, they've been getting together on the first day of the week to remember the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. This, my friends, is a big deal. And why do, we get, why do I have to get together every week? I'm going to tell you why, because we forget. Yeah. How many of you ever forgot something? How many of you forgot what you even forgot? Come on, there we go. Come on. Some of you are, that's a whole new level of forgetting when you're forgetting what you forgot. Come on. Come on, but we get together on Sundays because we need reminded. And we love to get together on Sundays. We can't wait to get together on Sunday because we're remembering the resurrection of Jesus. Oh, I'm thankful for the cross. And on Good Friday this past week at Bridge City Church, it's a big deal. And we, we honored God. We honored the cross. We honored this, you know, the, 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 him freeing us and deliverance. We honored redemption. We honored him calling us his own. How many of you know those are big, important points? But today it's all about that resurrection. It's all about that. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. It's so significant. This isn't an add-on. This is the main entree. See, many people treat the resurrection as this kind of add-on. Oh, yeah, and Jesus rose again. No, 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 this is it. This is the entree. This is the prime rib. This is the whole ham. This is the whole enchilada. Come on, am I speaking your language yet? Come on. This is everything. This is everything that we could imagine. So follow me here. If there's no resurrection, then Jesus did not rise from the dead. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then death has power over him and defeated him. If death has power over Jesus, he is not God. If Jesus is not God, he cannot offer a complete sacrifice for sins. If Jesus cannot offer a complete sacrifice for sins, our sins are not completely paid for before God. If my sins are not completely paid for before God, then I am still in my sins. Therefore, if Jesus is not risen, he's unable to save. Did you follow that progression, how important it is to every part of our faith? It is vital, and there's a war out in our culture right now, not only to rewrite our American history, but to rewrite Christian history. And we must fight this at every cost. What caused people to want to give their life for the message of Jesus Christ? What was it? What could it be? 1 Corinthians 15, 14. And if Jesus has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and our faith is useless. Useless means empty or it means hollow. Without a true bodily resurrection, our faith is useless. 
The preaching is useless. And I know what some of you are thinking. Don't yell out amen. But some of you, some of you are thinking that you heard a lot of preaching that's been useless. I know what you're thinking. Don't say that. Don't say that out loud. Come on, there has been because if it doesn't have the power of the resurrection in it, it is useless. This isn't about self-help. This is about God help. Are you with me? Because self-help is going to the same person that got you into the mess in the first place for help. How many know self-help doesn't work? But Jesus' help works. That's what the power of the resurrection is. That's why we love to celebrate. We love to sing. We love his word because of all these, these, these reasons. There's no hidden logic here. It's plain and in the open. Without the resurrection, it's all useless. It's hollow. It's empty. I don't want that kind of faith. I want a faith I can hold on to because my Lord's still alive. He's still alive, and there's no amount of religion, there's a no, no amount of behavioral modification that can get you what the resurrection can get you. This isn't about just becoming a better me. This is about a new me. And because of Jesus, he completed his work and qualified his word. That's what happens. Remember, I'm going to say it, the crucifixion has a semicolon after it. The resurrection has a period and a series of exclamation points. That's the significance here. I want to read to you several verses as it keeps going, starting in verse 15. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Jesus has not been raised. Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of all your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. Verse 19, and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Um, again, I'm not just hoping for a little bit of help here. My hope is that I'm going to stand before a living God someday and that excites me. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear standing before him. We don't have to fear all those things. We can anxiously even look forward to it. This concept is so contrary to anything we hear in our culture and society. Because people are in fear of death. They, they, listen, death is bad for those who are, who are here, left, because we have sorrow and we have angst in our heart. Or death is bad for those who have not transferred the trust of their lives onto the cross of Jesus Christ, and Jesus hasn't been the leader of their life. For those, death should be a terrifying thing. But in fact, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Verse 21, so you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to will be given a new life. A what? New life. Oh, yeah. Here it is. It's good. See, you got to believe a couple things as a result of this. you got to believe that there is such a thing as sin. Some sins you did and some sins were done to you, but there is such a thing as sin. It means that you missed the mark. 
And we all have this on our lives because of Adam. Adam, way back in Genesis, sinned and brought sin into the world. And Jesus came as a pure, sinless sacrifice to undo what the first Adam did. Aren't you glad about Jesus now? That he doesn't leave us in our sorry, pitiful state, but he did something about it. This, my friends, is good news. This is really good news. You have to believe that we are all sinners without the help of God. And that we all are in the bloodline of Adam. But we also have to believe without the resurrection of Jesus, we are guilty of our sins. We are guilty without that resurrection. Sin had its way for a while, but Jesus will have the last word. Isn't that exciting? Jesus has the last word. I think that is good news. My circumstances won't be my identity. My suffering won't be my identity. My past won't be my identity. Jesus Christ will be my identity. And that's what's at war here. In John eleven twenty five, 25, red letters, Jesus stating, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Did you notice Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life, not the crucifixion and the life. This is the importance. And I think most people are, are, are almost like infatuated with the cross, the suffering. But unfortunately, many people leave them there. Many people leave Jesus on the cross. They leave him on the cross because it is an expression of love to us. Oh, he did it. He forgives me of my sins. I don't know about you, but in my conscience, I, 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 need, I need forgiven in my life. I know my sin. I know my weakness that we sang about. I know all my failures. And I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ knows all those. And he still went ahead and died for me anyhow. But I'm not going to leave him on the cross. I want to get to the death, the burial, and then the good part, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good part. That's the life part. So I want to present to you today some evidence that demands a verdict. I want to treat you in the next couple moments like you're the jury, and I'm going to present to you facts that are going to demand that you come to a conclusion, that are going to demand that you come to a decision in your life. You're not the jury deciding everything that's going to happen to others, but you're the jury that will decide what happens with you and to you. Here it is. This is evidence that demands a verdict. That's what this is. Jesus was a real person, fully God and fully man. He was a well-known teacher and rabbi. Jesus of Nazareth, that's who he was. Many supernatural and inexplainable acts and events were attributed to him by contemporary historians. All through history, it's written over and over and over about Jesus Christ. Many writings about him, not only the Bible. He was publicly tried by the Roman government and publicly executed on a cross. He was buried in the tomb of a prominent Pharisee. The tomb that Joseph buried Jesus' body in was placed under Roman guard on, sa- on Saturday. Now, I didn't say he was buried on Saturday. On Saturday, they, they put a Roman guard there. And that's what they did. They put that Roman guard there, and, and it, but it was found empty on Sunday mornings. See, this is paramount to our faith. 
This isn't the add-on. See, many of us are we're, we're, we're struggling so much with our belief in God, we never get to the good part, the changing part. And, we're, and, and many people, they come to an intellectual ascent of who God is, and they say, yeah, I believe in God. And in the book of James, in the New Testament, the writer says that even the demons believe in God, and they shudder. So it's not just enough to believe in a God. It's enough to, we have to transfer our trust to God that there's no other way to heaven and the Father except through Jesus Christ. This is the essence of Christianity. And my friends, may I suggest to you, this is what's at stake in our culture and in our society today. May I suggest to you that we emphatically must hold to the teachings of Jesus Christ and come to a verdict on what do we really believe about what is written here. Because if we transfer our trust, something will change in our lives. I mean, this death, this burial, this resurrection, I mean, this was the, the this was bigger than like the, the O.J. Simpson trial. Remember the O.J. Simpson, remember the white bronco? When everybody watched, some of you remember back then. Yeah, you remember. Yeah, I can see those hands. Yeah, you remember. Everybody watched. I mean, everybody was glued. This is bigger than that. Are you with me? This is bigger than the Super Bowl. This is bigger than, than this is bigger than even a pandemic. Are you with me somewhere? Are you with me? This is bigger than all of that. Evidence that demands a verdict. Why didn't the Jewish leaders launch a search for the corpse? Basically, if Jesus really didn't rise from the dead and if Jesus wasn't who he said he was, show me the bones. Show me his corpse. Show me where he's at. Why didn't they even search for him in a place that would have been so populated at the time that Jerusalem would have been three times as populated on the Passover than normal? That means that there would have been probably close to two million people in Jerusalem, which have been a density of population bigger than New York City at this time. And they didn't have high rises to put people in. Imagine that. What I'm trying to say to you, they couldn't, they, they didn't even look because it was a done deal. They, they knew he rose again and there was nowhere to hide him. Nowhere could they put him. Are you with me? That's what, the, these things demand that we come to a conclusion. Evidence that demands a verdict. Ten of the original 12 disciples died as martyrs to the cause. May I ask you why have so many people over the last 2,000 plus years been willing to give their lives for this cause? May I suggest to you, it's not because of a dead God. It's not because Jesus came and good, did good teachings. It's because they saw him ris risen, resurrected. Are you with me? See, at the crucifixion, all his disciples scattered. They were afraid. They were hiding. Peter even denied him. Are you following me? So at the crucifixion, people are hiding. People are withdrawing. People are pulling back. At the resurrection, it's like, I knew he'd do it. Are you with me? I mean, it's like, it, it's like when the underdog wins the World Series or the NBA championship or the Super Bowl. It's all along. It's like, I, I knew that was going to happen. Oh, no, you didn't. You were scared the whole way through. Come on. Right? But that's what happened. It was this moment in time when it all changed. When something radically happened. 
Come on, it kept the movement going. As a matter of fact, it's recorded that they thought if they killed Jesus, they would stop the movement. But it did the exact opposite. When he rose from the dead, the movement started, and we are still a part of this same movement today. How many of you are a part of the movement of Jesus Christ, resurrection power? That's what started the movement. Now, Listen, I'm not downplaying the crucifixion of Jesus by any, any stretch of my imagination. I'm just saying it's not an either or. It has to be an and. It has to be both of these things. It keeps the movement moving forward. Evidence that demands a verdict. Jesus was seen by over 500 people. If, if you would line up 500 people to testify in any courtroom, it would probably get to the seventh, eighth, maybe the ninth person. The judge would say, are they all going to tell me the same thing that you just told me? And typically, the defense attorney or prosecuting attorney say, yes. He'd say, okay, just duly noted, they're all there. But if we lined up 500 people and told you the exact same story, people with different languages, different tongue, different ages, and all the rest, and testified of the same thing, how many of you would begin to believe it? Come on, how many, listen, unfortunately, we live in a day and age where we just see something on TV and we believe it. And there's no testifying of it. There's no proof of it. But the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ had 500 people witness it, and it started something great. So the question is, or I should say maybe it isn't, whether or not the resurrection of Jesus really happened, the question is, will you accept the fact that you and every person ever born was born in their sins after the bloodline of Adam? Will you accept the reality that there is no other payment for sin other than the blood shed of Jesus on the cross? Will you acknowledge the truth that Jesus is God and that he proved it by his sinless life? 300 plus prophecies spoken about him in the Old Testament. That's like basically, I'm, I'm oversimplifying the first two thirds of the book. Oh, prophecies were just people said he was coming. Different ages, different time periods, different backgrounds. They all kept saying this. Who could line up such a thing other than but God? Who could do that? But we have a God that's living. There was an executive that was wanting to hire a young manager, and he wanted to get to know the young manager, asked a common question. If you could have a conversation with anybody, living or dead, who would that be? The person getting interviewed sat back, and he thought for a second. He said, I'd, I'd, I'd want to talk to somebody living. I'll let that sink in. See, many people think we're talking to dead people. And we're not. We're talking to a living God who went before us. This is paramount to our faith. This is extremely paramount to who we are. This is extremely important to, to, to what we believe. In just a few moments, I'm going to ask you to all rise and give an account of the verdict that you come to in your life. It can either be the most life-changing transformation of your life, or it can just be another Easter, or up from the grave he arose. How you leave this place will determine your life and how you live your life and what happens in days, weeks, months, and years ahead. 
Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ was designed to change every part of us. Every part of our being. Life is available. Victory is available over hopelessness, helplessness, hurts, and habits. All by the power of the resurrection. Let me just tell you this. There ain't nobody too dead that the resurrection of Jesus can't touch their life. There ain't nobody too far that the resurrection power of Jesus can't touch their life. There ain't nobody that's too bad and ain't nobody too full of shame that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ can't change your life. There's such a thing and there's a teaching in, in Jesus' church right now that, that there's a limited ability of the blood of Jesus Christ. There's only a limited amount of what it can do. I don't believe in that. I believe there's nothing that the blood of Jesus, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus can't do. Are you with me this morning? See, I believe that. I'm not here today to get you just get a little bit, to, to put a little bit of gooder on my good. Or a little bit of bestus on my, on my best. No, I'm not here for that. I'm here because I've been, I, I've been forever changed by what Jesus Christ has done for me. So what are we going to do with these facts? What are we going to do with this? May I suggest to you that we come to a conclusion. There's something that we get as a result of the resurrection of Jesus. Are you ready for it? I said, are you ready for it? How about we get victory over my past? We get freedom to live in my destined future by God. We get joy when things aren't going well. We get peace in the midst of storms. We get purpose in the midst of a chaotic world. And we get the assurance of eternal life. Bam! This is more than about a ham dinner and finding Easter eggs and getting your Easter bonnet on. Come on, somebody. Those things are good. But if you don't have Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection, all you got is those things. Are you with me? That's all you're left with. But we don't have a useless faith. We don't have something that's not useless. God gets all of our stuff and we get him. Victory, freedom, power, peace, joy, a purpose which we all long for. We all have a deep need for a purpose in our lives, something longing on the inside of us that we long for the purpose of God. There's a longing inside of you. There's a longing inside of your life. Can anybody feel it this morning? So now I can live a serving, sacrificial, selfless life because that's the God inside of me. I can now become generous because a living God is so generous that gave his only son lives in me. I can now have that peace in the midst of chaos all because of Jesus living inside of me. And now I get to even get together with a whole bunch of people that believe the same way every Sunday and remember the resurrection of Jesus all because a living God lives inside of me. That's why this whole thing is here. And you know what? That's why God put Bridge City Church 
on this planet to declare the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That's why he put us here. That's why we gathered together here today. Because somewhere deep in the longing of every soul, is it, there, there's a struggle. But inside every soul, there's this thing saying, I know something significant happened on that Easter, but I don't know what it is. But I want to know what it is, but I don't know what it is. So the time has come, church, when we say, all rise. And what shall be your verdict? What shall be your statement for those who this may be Easter's of decades and decades? I want to read to you the last verse in 1 Corinthians 15. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever... Wow. I want to remind you today that nothing that we do for God is useless and hollow and empty and vain. I want to remind you today that God has asked us to enthusiastically, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, and a whole bunch more that we get to live for him. This is a pretty cool deal. But for those today that are here, and you may believe in God. You may believe there is a God. I'm going to read a couple other verses to you. And I'm going to invite you into a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the next several weeks we're going to be doing a series entitled The Way, The Truth, and The Life. It's going to be all about who Jesus is. And I invite you to come back and learn more about this Jesus. I invite you to come back and say, there's there got to be more to this Jesus. I want to know him. I don't want to know religion. I don't want man's attempt to please God. I want a relationship which says God's already pleased in what Jesus has done. Come on, somebody. So these are verses for you today. If you openly declare, Pastor, why do I have to openly declare? Well, Jesus openly declared his love for you. I think it's the least we could do for him. Come on, somebody. So I'm asking you to openly declare, confess that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that what? That God raised him from the dead. Not just say that there is a God, but no, we're going to come to a conclusion that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's what our confession is. That's what the belief in our heart is. This is the game changer. This is the moment where everything in life changes. This is that the tide shifts in a game. The tide, everything, the momentum shifts right here at this moment when you say that. And you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Saved from what? Eternal damnation. That's what we're saved from. And I get saved from myself here on earth. I think, it, I think it's a twofer. So even if you don't make a decision today, you still made a decision. Because even a no decision is still a decision. And there's people here today. You just now encountered a living God. Maybe for the first time. Maybe you lived for him a long time ago, but you kind of fell away. And this is your invitation. This is your welcome home moment.
And I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. And I'm going to ask you to, to cast your jury vote. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this moment that you created. I thank you for this moment that you brought us together, God. Many of us, we, we decided to come, but you brought us together to do your work here at Bridge City Church and in Murraysville, Pennsylvania, Lord. And for all those here today, that want to cast their jury vote for the very first time. They want to declare that Jesus is the only way to the Father through what he did on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection. For those who say, I want a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, who have never made a decision before, or who have done so and fell away. If you're here today and you would like to openly declare and you'd like to believe in your heart, Jesus Christ, the forgiver of your past and the leader to your future, I want you just to slip up your hand right where you are. Just slip up your hand right where you are. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me anybody here today thank you very much anybody else here today thank you very much keep your hand up this is you and God this is you and God this is like you're just saying this is my declaration anybody else here today anybody else just wants to say pastor I want that that's what I was created for that's what I long for which says you can cover our past, but I thank you for the power of the resurrection, which says we can now live and you're in charge. God, we thank you for that. Do a great work in Jesus' name. If you raise your hand, somebody's going to come up to you. They're just going to want to pray for you. You don't have to pray. They're going to pray for you. They're going to say, hey, can we pray together? I just want to pray for you. And if you're here today and you didn't raise your hand, you could easily just say right now, um, you could write on your card that you got on the way in, I want Jesus Christ to be the forgiver of my past and the leader. You check that box off and we're going to pray for you. So if your hand's up, somebody's coming to you right now and they're going to move in and they're going to pray for you right now. So they're, as they come to you, don't be startled. They're just going to pray for you. They're going to offer to pray. So God, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name. How many of you are really excited about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. Could, could y'all be seated right now and let's let the worship team minister to us and let's just think about and meditate on the miracle of Jesus Christ.